to watch um, someone had uh, recommended two movies to me and so I was like okay I took a, a you know some time aside and I watched the movie Alice which is a true story of a woman that still in the 1970s she was living on a plantation as a slave if you haven't seen it please see it um, so I watched that and Antebellum I was amazed at both but didn't know that the word was actually share with me something that he wanted me to cover as it relates to um, forgiveness. So I'm going to share my screen. And it is amazing. I believe this is the one I want to share. Yes. So um, sometimes we don't often uh, really see how the Lord wants us to progress in the areas of uh, forgiveness and redemption. We all have heard about it, but tonight we're going to talk about a topic that I had not researched. It's in my Bible. It is in your Bible, but for whatever reason, I hadn't done a study on and where was I surprised at what I saw. There was so much information until I was, I was just in awe of how the Lord does what he does when he wants us to uh, plumb the depths of our understanding for us to see just what it is that he wants to reveal to us. So we are coming from um, the book of Philemon. Um, it is a one chapter book. It is uh, two of the shortest books in the Bible aside from Jude, but it is packed with revelation. And I hope that you can um, see um, the same things that the Lord has shared with me with you. So I'm the type of person, I love to do the background of a story so that I could fully understand what's going on. We have three major characters um, in this story. We'll talk about Onesimus. He was a slave. He was a runaway slave. He stole from his master and he ran all the way from Colossae to Rome. That's 1,300 miles. And Although Colossi was still in the providence uh, under the government of Rome, he still ran a long ways. Now, we know that when there's trouble, we are often, because of our own humanity, we try to get away as far as possible to trouble when we can. Whatever it, it could be family, it could be employment, it could just be, you know, disgusted with your own um, life. And so we may take the time and the miles to get away from those things. So he he separated himself uh, from Colossi. Well, he had to because he, he stole something from his, his master, the slave owner. So I looked at that and I was, I was trying to understand, I needed to know how far it is that he ran away. And when I looked at the story, it would seem that there was um, some interaction going on even as far between the book of Philemon and the book of, and the book of um, Colossians. That was something that I had overlooked. I didn't really um, see that connection until I began to study it. The second person, so let's, let's say that Onesimus, he is going to be the transgressor in this story. 
and the Apostle Paul, he's, he's uh, one of the main characters of the story. He is the interceptor. He is locked in a Roman jail. He meets Onesimus, but I believe he meets Onesimus prior to him being imprisoned and he wins Onesimus to the Lord. But then he has uh, the, a decision to make because even though this person is saved, and we know too in our, in our just in life in general, if someone gets saved, but they have done wrong, they still have to answer uh, to the wrong that they've done and sometimes suffered those consequences. So here's Paul, he's in prison. Onesimus now has become saved. He's one to the Lord. He's become very close to the apostle Paul, but now there's some decisions that have to be made. Now, the third person um, in the scriptures is Philemon. He was um, Onesimus' owner. He was also, may not be a pastor, he may have just been a leader at the church in Colossae. Um, he is a mentee of Paul. So Paul has ministered to him probably during the time that uh, Paul had um, like a three-year evangelistic journey in Ephesus. And so he saw him, he uh, ministered to him, raised him up. And so he's still there. He's a slave owner, but he's still there, an important person in the church at Colossae. But now he's another one. So these three people, Onesimus, the transgressor, Apostle Paul, the intercessor, and Philemon, who will be the forgiver. All three of them need to make a decision. Now, here's the backstory. Um, under Roman law, a slave who ran away from his master could face the death penalty. And we may have um, seen just in some of our own history in the United States, as far as slavery, what happens to those that may have run away. Um, and maybe they were sentenced to death, but probably beaten and taken back to their original um, slave owner. In light of all that, though, the Apostle Paul sent Onesimus back to his master, but this time it was with a twist. Onesimus had repented and converted to Christ while he was in Rome. He probably met Paul prior to his imprisonment in Rome and visited him thereafter. While in prison, Paul wrote two companion books, and this is something that I did not know. He wrote the Epistle of Colossians and the letter to Philemon. So Paul wrote the Epistle to the Colossians to straighten out some problems that they were having um, they were experiencing heresy. They were mixing the simplicity of the gospel with Gnosticism and mysticism. They would teach that if they kept the Sabbath and refrained from eating certain foods, that they could earn their salvation. Of course, we know that's absolutely not true. So Paul refuted those claims that Jesus was, uh, that he was the higher, that a higher, he was not just a higher being and not God. That's what they were saying. He was just, you know, some religions teach that he was just, you know, uh, you know, he was just a higher being. He was not God. But all those false doctrines, um, Paul clarified and he reiterated that Christ was God and his death and resurrection reconciled all believers, that we didn't have to go through all of the law trying to become saved. We didn't have to keep all those commandments because there was a greater commandment that he has um, left us. And we'll get into that in just a moment. 
So Philemon is a slave owner whose home serves as a meeting for the local church. He was a convert to Christianity, probably during Paul's evangelistic um, years there. We already said that. Aphia, we'll get into the scripture, um, is probably his wife. Archippus may be a son, but certainly a soldier that was there in the church. And it was customarily practiced according to the provisions of the law of Moses. However, that Hebrew slaves had certain religious and social rights. And the term of their servitude was six years. This is something that I did not know. Jeremiah warned that any mistreatment of slaves who would, who would mistreat them, any mistreatment of slaves would meet God's divine disfavor. That's Jeremiah 34, 8 through 22, if you want to um, look that up. If a master punished and injured, and injured a slave in his possession, the slave was to be set free. However, slaves in Rome, this was mind-blowing to me, slaves in Rome outnumbered the citizens. It was not uncommon for wealthy people to have 10 to 20,000 slaves working on their estates. Onesimus ran into Paul's ministry while in Rome, became a Christian and served Paul while he was in prison. And he must have confessed his sin to Paul. And now Paul must uh, return him to make amends to Philemon. It's amazing. You know, sometimes we think we can, we can escape the punishment of the deeds that we, we do. But that has to... Um, not be the case. Let's do, let's go to Philemon, first chapter. And we'll start at the first verse. So it says, this was a fascinating story to me. First verse, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, our keepers, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, Paul's greeting does not identify himself as an apostle, but as a prisoner of Christ. And because of his surrender to the cause of Christ, even while writing from prison. So he sent to Philemon, whom he calls his beloved friend and fellow laborer, as someone united in the work. So he is, I want you to pay attention to this sandwich method. It is customary that Sometimes when you have um, a proposal or some challenging information that you want to relate to a party, you, you don't just go in and, and, you know, hit them up with what you want. But Paul in his apostolic wisdom is, is first identifying someone that he loves. He is, he, this is a man that he has uh, raised up and he knows him. He knows the work there. And in a few minutes, you'll begin to see uh, what it is that he's saying about the work that Philemon is doing. So he's addressing him not as an apostle, but as a fellow prisoner of Christ. Verse four and five. So it says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, 
hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he's getting all of this information that um, hearing about the good that Philemon is doing, the love that he's showing, the faith toward the toward Christ and all the things that he's doing uh, toward the saints, faith in Christ, but love to the people. And all of his good works happen to reach um, the apostle Paul's ears and it brings him joy. So Paul has received word that the saints were refreshed by Philemon. Now to the meat. So Paul has laid the foundation. Here's the appeal. And the word appeal is the same as consolation here. So picking up at verse, um, but we won't skip verse seven. Let's read it. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And I want you to keep that word refreshed and in the back of your mind because we're going to get to it again. So here it is. Here's the me. Here's Paul getting ready to lay the foundation of the appeal. He's getting ready to let um, Philemon know it wasn't just that he was sending the, the, the epistle of the Colossians to that church, but here is a personal letter separately from that that he's sending to Philemon, and it's a love letter. So now he's saying in verse 8, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ, to command you what is fitting or what I think you should do. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable you and to me so here he is he's he's like softening him up he's getting ready to make his appeal he comes in he's saying listen so this is what i believe that should be the outcome because of love's sake not because of what has happened but because love's sake and i am saying this i'm the aged i know i'm the older i'm the elder but he he wasn't trying to pull rank in a way but he knew Philemon's spiritual heart that he could make this appeal. And then he begins, he talks about that this man that had been so offensive to Philemon by stealing from him that has run away. And not only that has probably cost him time and revenue. Here he is. The apostle Paul is saying, I need to talk to you because Onesimus now is my spiritual son. In other words, he's saying Onesimus is like you are to me. I love you both. So now he's saying he was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. And it's it's amazing that he uses uh, this particular uh, saying because Onesipus's name means useful. So now he's saying he's more profitable now than Philemon could have ever imagined. Let's go to verse 12. He says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is like my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me that on your behalf that he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. 
but without your consent, I want to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were, but voluntary. So the, what I love about the way that he interacts here is because he's saying, he said, listen, I, I want him back. I want him to be back here ministering to me and with me, but I can't do anything. I'm not going to override your will in this, but I am, I am pleading you and I'm appealing to your heart that you would do as I'm suggesting. I'm not going to override your power. I'm going to, this is what I suggest. And I'm hoping you will hear it from my heart to yours. Here we are, verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So Paul begins to press in his intercession that maybe it was for this particular reason that all of this has happened. Maybe it was for him to, um, for him to, well, not particularly, but however things fell out that he ended up in Rome, meeting Paul, coming to Christ, ministering to Paul, and now has confessed his sin and is being sent back for restitution, but not being sent back as a slave, but as a beloved brother, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he didn't make just a distinction. This is, this is not just, you know, your brother in the flesh. This is going to be your beloved brother in the Lord. Verse 17. If then you count me, now here's where he's starting to pull his apostolic rank. I love it. Paul is saying, if then you count me as a partner, a fellow laborer, if you see me in the light of which I think you do, this is my ad lib, receive him as you would me. Isn't that amazing? He says, I'm making this substitution. Receive Onesimus. I know that he did you wrong, that he caused you some pain. You may be angry, but the same way you feel about me and the same way you treat me, I want you to treat him the same way. And if he has wronged you or owes you anything, so now he's beginning to allow uh, Philemon know that I know that it wasn't that he just ran away. I know he owes you something. But this is what I want to do. Put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing to you with my own hand. He's saying, so I know you're getting this letter. I know Onesimus is bringing this to you, but he, I scribed it with my own hand. He didn't cheat. He didn't uh, add this part to it so you could be nicer to him. I am writing this to you with my own hand because this is written. This can also constitute as a legal document. This is what I am saying. Put it on my account. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me. Even your own self besides. But yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. And here's that word that he used earlier that Philemon, it was so famous for in refreshing the saints. He's saying, refresh my heart in the Lord. So he's bringing it back. He's saying, I know you do the right thing. I know you have love for the saints. It is evidence. We've heard the testimonies about your faith in Christ, but hear me in this, that 
refresh my heart in this. This man is no longer a criminal. He's no longer wanted. He's no longer a fugitive. To me, he is a fellow brother. And I want you to treat him as if it was me. What a divine exchange that is. And I hope that you're, you're the, the wheels are turning in your mind because you know this sounds so familiar. This whole story, this whole story. And here's the last part. Having confidence in your obedience, isn't that something that the Apostle Paul had confidence that Philemon, no matter what went on, he would be obedient? I write to you knowing that you will do even more than what I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. In other words, I believe in your prayers so much that I'm going to be released and I'm going to see you again. And I believe that you have the love of God and that you will abide by my appeal and set things between you and Onesimus right. What a wonderful story. I have never read that story like that. Honestly. Honestly, it was amazing. Now, let's think about this. So we have all been Onesimus. It, maybe we've never stole. Maybe we've, we've never, uh, you know, uh, done crimes. But the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And no matter what or how good you have been or, or anything, we all were Onesimus. We all have been outside of the realm of, of Christ. We have been enemies of the state of the kingdom. And I am so very glad that I had someone like the Apostle Paul, an intercessor, someone that uh, paid my bond, who understood what it was to, to rescue me from my slave to sin and bring me to a place of freedom. I'm so glad that Jesus was the one <laughs> that interceded for me, that gave his life for me that took the charge for me and set me free. Not just me, but you too. You too. Here's what I want us to consider. Some points to ponder. Forgiveness is costly. Why is that? We can't be afraid to ask for and or grant forgiveness, but it's worth the sacrifice. Uh, it amazes me how sometimes we can withhold um, forgiveness to someone. And, and let me just clarify, they don't ever have to ask for your forgiveness. You can forgive those that never apologize. Yes, it is possible, but you have to want to. But forgiveness is costly. It cost the Lord. He gave his life for us. He's interceding for us now at the right hand of the, of the Father. He is still uh, working on our behalf so that we can we can obtain and use not just obtain but accept and and benefit from the wonderful uh, process of love and salvation and everything that God has given us to do this forgiveness is a law of love he said 
a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, it's by this. This is the new commandment, not anymore eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Old Testament. This law, this new commandment, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you can't say that you're disciples if you are not walking in forgiveness. And it doesn't matter who you are. It, it didn't matter that Onesimus was a slave. It didn't matter where he ran. It, it didn't matter. Um, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond, someone that's a slave, or someone that's a free person. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And Paul was, was very... Um, he really had that understanding, which I'm sure as he began to teach those that were part of his ministry and those that he mentored, this was the thing. He began to let people know. He didn't particularly um, cry out against slavery in a sense to try to abolish it, but he was not promoting it. And for those that were, were, were bondmen or enslaved, he was letting them know if they're believers in Christ, there is no difference. It doesn't matter who you are, that everyone, everyone has the potential to be Christians. Everyone had, had the ability to believe in Christ, no matter their station in life. And because of that, we're no longer a slave to sin. He says, now this was a real question here. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And I forgot to put the scripture there, but we'll get to that. Um, but this is a thing. So we've been set free from sin. We love the Lord with all of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength. You know, we, we can run around the building. We, we pray in our, our prayer language. We love the Lord. We are on fire for Jesus. But have we become slaves to righteousness, not for righteousness, because everybody can believe they have. They are, they are down for a righteous cause. Uh, we have different political groups that believe their cause is righteous. So they're down for their cause. But are we slaves to righteousness? Are we so... Um, enslaved or in a place of embracing fully his righteousness in everything. I believe we have some work because sometimes we vacillate. Well, you know, I'm a slave today for righteousness for this thing, but not a slave tomorrow if I have to forgive them for what they did, for what they said, for what they didn't do. Let's all were to become a slave to the righteousness of Christ. We are his righteousness. But I mean, as far as our actions are concerned, are we bondmen to righteousness to the point of forgiveness? Now, having gone through all of this, even looking at Onesimus, he's accepted in the beloved. It says, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he had made us, you and I accepted in the beloved, no matter what happened. I don't care what sin you did. I don't care what happened, what kind of shame. I don't care 
who said what, who shot John, it doesn't matter. He is saying, I have accepted you in the blood. I have thrown your bond. It does not matter. I have presented you before the Father, clean, purified, sanctified, no matter what. And you're accepted in the beloved. And him in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He is not bankrupt when it comes to his grace and mercy uh, towards us. It is a wonderful opportunity and benefit that we have and that there is nothing that he cannot do that he can't break us free from. There is nothing that he wants to keep us in any form of bondage. And I, I am learning, praise God for uh, Apostle Teresa and the conservatory, how we can learn how much uh, freedom we have, how much he wants us to walk into complete freedom. There's so much that um, I am experiencing, even in this walk and this discovering and this assignment of forgiveness, I'm just seeing how, how rich it is and how much of his power and his grace and his mercy and the sacrifice and everything that he has done for us. And how can we, how can we neglect so great a salvation? He's made the way for us. He's made the way. And I want to encourage each one of you. I don't care what it is you're going through. I want to encourage you that you are not forgotten, that he has, he has not uh, even uh, gotten to a place where your situation is, is old to him. We get mercies that are new every morning. And it is every morning that we open our eyes that it is another day to experience the wonders of God. I want to share with you a miracle to me. It was a miracle to me when I read it. He has so many wonderful surprises for us. And these surprises um, happen because we are looking for them. We are looking for them with wide-eyed wonder. We are expecting sometimes the things that we've gone through. It could be anything, um, just had a, a death in, in a, a family friend. It could be death in the family. It could be ongoing sickness. It could be depression. It could be some of anything. It could be some of anything that jars us, that wants to move us out of the place of believing what God wants us to have. It could be anything, but he is so ready <laughs> to surprise us with his goodness. Those things kind of rob us from expectation. It can rob us from even walking in unforgiveness. We become so bowed down with you know, what they did and all that. It doesn't matter because you know what? When it came time for the sacrifice to be made for what we did, the Lord didn't have to ponder that. He didn't have to say, well, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I didn't shed, shed enough blood for them. I don't, you know, they've done a whole lot. But he didn't say that. And because he did not, and he continues to cleanse us and wash us with his, his word, we can look forward to things that we've never experienced before. We can look for his surprises. Now, when we come to him, with our hearts ready to be purified and we say yes, there's so much that that's in store for us. And this is what really blew me away about this whole story. It's not done yet. So surprise, because of this divine exchange from the offender, Onesimus, to the intercessor, Paul, 
to the offended one, Philemon. Onesimus received clemency. The apostle Paul received the joy of knowing that his appeal had been granted. And Philemon had been freed of the burden of punishing the offender. Now, I don't know about you, but you can lose sleep. You can have headaches, get into depression, trying to figure out how you're going to pay somebody back for the wrong that they did. You can let that stuff go because there is such freedom in that. And then look what happens. We can just, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen this and I'm expecting this because this is what I pray for those that have offended me. I'm believing the Lord to work a miracle in their life, to draw them closer because he loves them just like he loves me. And the same way he is rooting for me to come into the fullness of his grace and to the full understanding of the mystery of the power that he has given us, he wants to do the same for them. So I'm praying and I'm looking to see the change. I'm not going to cancel my prayers out by saying, oh, they ain't changed. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. And I can look at this. Now, it, it may not be that they change. It may not be. But guess what? I changed. My heart becomes pure. I can remember things. Or I can look at them and I don't find my nose up or you know, hate to see them coming. Because when they come to me, I want them to see Jesus. So here's the thing. Out of all that that happened, Philemon went on to become Bishop of Colossae, according to church tradition. And Onesimus, the thief, the runaway slave, the hider, came back through repentance, he became the Bishop of Ephesus. And they both went down in history as martyrs for Christ. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Amen. I hope um, you have been blessed by that lesson. I hope it was some provoking for you to get to the place of wanting to understand and know the importance, not just of forgiveness, but the process that can happen as we go through whatever it is that God is telling us, how there is such a breakthrough that is waiting for us to get to the place of understanding his heart as it relates to forgiveness, but also the freedom that we will get, that we will receive when we walk forgiveness out his way. All right, God bless you. It's back to you, Sam. Thank you so much, Apostle Pamela, for that wonderful teaching. Um, I I love when you teach because because you give the backstory. I we learn a little bit of history that you know we may not have previously known, and it just makes the story that much more impactful because we we know you know who all the characters are their history and why and how it plays um into the story that we read so i just want to thank you for teaching tonight and um i would like to open up the floor if anyone has any questions um or feedback that they would like to share the floor is open in the meantime i will scroll through the comments to see um 
Yes, that is correct, Joanne. The history provides the context. And, and it really, it just makes it much more impactful because now we know, I, I never knew of Onesimus. <laughs> so um, just hearing about it tonight um, has given me a lot to, to think about. Chiquita said, um, I absolutely love this teaching. So good. So many lessons. Darlene says this was a phenomenal teaching. There was a comment here that I saw earlier from, I think it was Joanne, who said, so many thoughts and with a fresh perspective, it is so interesting to consider all you are teaching while considering that Timothy would have read this letter with Onesimus at his side to Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and to the house that meets in their church. They are all brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a lesson for us all. Oh, I see, Chiquita, you have your hand up. You can go ahead and unmute yourself. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you so much for, again, Apostle Pamela, just just an awesome um, message. You had me at that first slide when you provide the historical context and the characters, you had me there. But I love um, the way that you teach because I think context is so important. And the fact that this book is so small, but there are so many lessons in here. The level of respect and love that Paul demonstrated, um, you know, and the fact that, that his, his posture, his heart posture towards seeing, um, wanting him to see Philemon, to see him as a brother, uh, to see him. And it's really a demonstration of how we should see everyone. I, I was just reminded of when God says no respect of person, he really means that, that, that when redemption comes in and when there's that reconciliation, then that's how we should see one another. Um, it was just, uh, it was just so impactful. The other thing that um, I was writing some notes here is just um, the way he presented, he didn't come in, you know, with this title. And sometimes when you see people who are at a certain level, or we perceive them to be at a certain level, there's not that posture of humility. Um, there's not that wisdom. That's what I was thinking about that wisdom. Um, I know the other day, um, apostle Teresa posted something about a word that she gave about wisdom. Like, you know, you have this, what we call worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God. And throughout this entire passage, you see that the, the gaze of Paul is on God, that he has God's heart in mind. He's, he wants us to see this former prisoner the way that God sees him. And I think that's so important that, that our lens has to be that, that we keep God as the foundation and, and have others to see God, to see this person the way that God sees them and see the potential that they have in them so that he says he is profitable. So he was a former, so now he is profitable. We need him for the kingdom. Look at the work that God has done in his life. I mean, that's amazing. And then if we look at that, you know, biblical context and think about the people in our lives in contemporary times who people have cast aside or they're marginalized and they don't have this, they don't have that. When that reconciliation and that redemption comes in, wow, they are just so profitable. They begin to minister to us. So it's just so much. This is, it was so small, but it's just so much here and just really um, impactful. It just has me thinking about forgiveness and thinking about, I'm sure some folks 
probably looked at me and was like, mm, but there are people who have given me chance and to, to get my act together and to get it again. And they've seen the work that God has done in my life. And it keeps you in the posture of humility. But I really thank God for you for this lesson. This was really powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Chiquita. Um, you're absolutely right when you, especially when you said like she had you within the first couple minutes of her lesson. Me too, because um, first of all, the first line where it talks about like the church that meets in your home, I know it was small, but the fact that a church that was meeting in a home got the attention of Paul like that to me was like you can you can be a small ministry and still have impact and still change the world and still reach people so the fact that Paul thought it was worthy to send a whole letter that's now an entire book in the bible that we read about today from a church in a home and i'm sure they didn't have you know these homes 2000 square feet home that's we that we have today i don't know what size that home was but paul thought it was worthy to reach out to that the church that meets in a home and the fact that he he had to call it out like that that blew me away and then um the fact that um he said, Paul said, um, charge it to me. If Onesimus did anything, he said, charge it to me. And I feel like that's what that's what Christ did for us. Like all of our all of our wrongdoings, he says, you know, just just charge it to me. And then the fact that Apostle Pam, he said, you know, you reminded us that his mercies renew itself each day. So it's like every morning, even before we we have any mishaps, it's like charge it to me, charge it to me. We have like a, a constant intercessor, you know, Christ is interceding for us right now, right this second. It's not just something that happened 2000 years ago. It's happening right now. It's renewing right now, right this second. And so that was just just powerful to me just the the charger to me you know because like paul was he was walking in the like his authority as an apostle but he was humble he was loving like that i don't know that 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 really that really struck me so i just you know want to thank you again apostle pamela for bringing this um i'll definitely be thinking about this for a while charge it to me like can we say that about other people like you know on behalf of other people that have done wrong charge it to me or are we quick to like crucify people like i want to get to that point where i can say you know if that person did something wrong just charge it to me you know that's that's my brother that's my sister in christ to just be able to love people at that level um Thank you. Thank you, Apostle Pamela. You know, you made a good point, Sam, because with two things, you know, we're, we're quick to refer people like, you know, refer someone if they're good for a job or for this or for that. And it's okay if we do that recommendation. But when we say charge it to me, now that is what I call a slave to righteousness. That's being a slave to the principle of it's okay, charge it to me. But the thing that got me was when the apostle Paul said, charge it to me, I was like, 
he said he would pay, but he in jail. So his word must have been good. <laughs> so, but what if he never saw them again? It was the fact that they had that kind of relationship that he would honor the apostle Paul so much that he knew that it was serious and that his word was bonded. If he said, charge it to my account. And then he said, not just that, but you owe me too. So let's, let's just do all this and it'll be okay. I was blown away. And then the distinction that you made between slave to righteousness and slave for righteousness. So we're supposed to be, you know, slaves to like doing the right thing, be having character, being noble, being mature, but we're not a slave for righteousness. So to me, that means like, there's still a, like he... He elevated Onesimus's status in the eyes of Philemon, right? Like he, he's saying like, he's not lower than you. So he brought, I don't know, that, that was, you know, um, good to me too. I don't want to take up the whole time, Darlene, you can go ahead. <laughs> Now, uh, Sam, what you're sharing is so good. So you could have kept going. <laughs> um, Apostle Pamela, this was, this was beyond excellent. I can remember reading this when I first became a believer. And I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I did not like this chapter. Like I avoided this chapter like the, like the plague when I first became a believer. And then as I got older in the faith, I was still like, nope. I don't like this chapter. I just, I can't, oh, you know, just rubbing the flesh the wrong way was why I didn't love the chapter. But since you brought it tonight and how you explained it, it really is beautiful, actually. So the words that I wrote down, and I think they were in your title with the uh, freedom, redemption. That young man was redeemed even though he ran away 1,300 miles, however he got there, and then to be brought back before you can kind of say judge and jury, he was redeemed in the midst of the fact that he ran away, but he ran away and came across Paul of all the apostles. This man was redeemed. And so then how Paul came with humility and the fact that he was like, okay, we got to figure out how we're going to get you back there because we do need to get you back there a little bit. Let's sit down and let's talk this out and say, okay, God, how are we going to get this man back into the position that he ran away from so that one, he doesn't get killed, <laughs> And two, he actually accepts him back. And so even though Paul was gentle with what he wrote, he was still firm in his authority in Christ. Like, I'm still Paul. I'm still an apostle, but I'm coming to you humbly, pleading, interceding on the behalf of our brother. That really does take God because, yeah, Generally speaking, you know, if I'm, I can speak about me years past, if I wore a wig, I would have been snatching my wig off ready to fight. 
and I can't do that. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, God kind of had to temper my mouth because I, I just had a hot temper that way. But seeing how Paul literally flipped the script on this man, on this other apostle, to not only stand in his firm authority in Christ, but also be like, please don't hurt our brother. Please don't put to death our brother. Please accept back our brother. Please accept the fact that even though he ran away, he's still so much better now while I'm bringing him back to you than he ever was, even when you first got him. So I'm literally blown away by the teaching. I can actually say I like this chapter now because, (laughs) I mean, oh my gosh, I can say so much more, but I'll stop right there. But thank you so, so much, Apostle Pamela. I so appreciate it. It made me think about somebody to write this way, and I'm like, I might need somebody's help. (laughs) So thank you. You are so right, Darlene. Um, A story about redemption and how forgiveness made way for redemption to happen. So I can only imagine like if forgiveness didn't happen, then maybe we would, maybe it would have turned out a different way. So um, you're absolutely right about that. And I did see a comment um, from Joanne that said, when we were talking about the difference between slave to righteousness and slave for righteousness, she said one is motivated by love and the other is motivated by law. And I thought that was really um, profound. Go ahead, Joanne, you can speak. (laughs) I've been quoting you all night. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, it's such a, you know, I, I guess recently, in studying Romans, I realized these letters really were read out loud. They were performed to the audience that they were being spoken to, to these house churches. And so it, like in this letter, the way you, you taught it, Pamela, Paul is really prophesying to them, calling them up to the mind of Christ and the heart of the Father, which is really beautiful because this is being done in public. So they all have a response. Everyone that was that heard it has the opportunity to respond and step up to that, which is really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they would read it aloud in front of everyone. So thank you for sharing that piece. That, that, you know, definitely, things a bit and it's it brings like accountability and humility and into the mix of the person who's receiving the letter so thank you for sharing that does anyone else have any um thing they'd like to share does anybody have any questions um we want to make sure that you don't leave here on anything that was taught tonight I want to thank you again for um, your 
speech and your dedication and just the dedication of all the teachers that um, present um, Bible study. You guys, um, time to do the research is always revelatory. We can always hear God speaking through you. And I just want to thank, thank you, Apostle Pamela. Thank you, Chiquita. Um, thank you, Veruva, and all the teachers that share on Tuesday night Bible studies. Um, so if anyone does not have any additional commentary, Apostle Pamela, I don't know if you want to any have any um, final thoughts that you want to share. Um, if anyone doesn't have any questions, we will close out for tonight. I want to thank you again for joining us for our Bible study. It's always a pleasure um, meeting with, with you guys and hearing your feedback. Um, all of you guys, everything that you share is always so profound and thought provoking. So I appreciate how you guys continue to engage um, in Bible study. Apostle Pamela, did you have something you wanted to share before we close? The last thing I wanted to say was no matter where you go, you never know who knows somebody that you know. So Onesimus didn't know that Paul knew Philemon. But in the same way that we all found our ways here. And I'm so grateful for all of us. I'm so grateful that we all found our ways here to the conservatory. No matter how you got here, I know that God has a plan. Be encouraged. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so true. You know, God puts people in our path um, and we just never know who holds the key to our next, you know, our next level, our next um, season in life. Chiquita says, that's why godly relationships are so necessary. Yes. Divine alignment. That was a divine moment that we read about tonight. Um, so um, I'm going to pray us out. Last call. I don't want to miss anyone. I just want to say to you, Miss Sister Samantha, thank you so much for your facilitation of, um, you know, these discussions. They've been very helpful. And the, um, you transition through the comments and then you looking at the hands. So it's just, <laughs> you, you, you are very inclusive. Um, you know, it's, it's a task, but you do it with ease and it's seamless. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your facilitation. Thank you, Shakita. Thank you for that encouragement. <laughs> I try and I don't want to leave anybody behind. So I really do try. <laughs> All right. So we're going to head and close us out. Um, Father, we thank you for all that you continue to do for us. We thank you for our gathering this evening and how you continue to speak, how you continue to move within our teachers and within the Scrabble Conservatory. Father, we pray for everyone who is on the line tonight. Father, we pray that And I pray that this word would take root, God, that it would flourish, that it would blossom in our hearts and in our minds, that we would extend forgiveness, Lord, just like Paul did, Lord, that we would operate in love and in humility, God, that we would allow you to use us as a 
a tool, Lord, um, in someone else's redemption story, God. Father, we pray that we would not get in the way of what you want to do through us, Lord. Father, we release um, every inhibition, Lord, everything that is holding us back, Lord, every place of doubt, every place of fear, and we just surrender to you. We surrender to your spirit, God, and we say, have your way in our minds and in our hearts. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would increase our capacity to be able to receive more of you, to be able to receive more of your word, your revelation, and declare maturity, God. We declare wholeness and healing on God, and we just pray, Lord, that we would walk into the fullness of who you called us to be. Lord, we pray that we would use every gift, every talent, Lord, that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord, that no stone would go untouched, God, that we would use everything that we have, Lord, for your kingdom, Lord, that our lives, Lord, that the way that we love, that the way that we talk, Lord, that our speech, our dialect, Lord, that the way that we treat each other, Lord, that the way that we treat even our enemies, Lord, and those that curse us, Lord, those that want to do us harm, that even in those relationships, God, that you're your kingdom would be advanced so that you would receive all the glory and all the honor that only you are due. Father, we pray for Apostle Teresa tonight. We pray for all the leaders in the Scrabble Conservatory. Father, we pray that you would continue to expand um, your kingdom in them, Lord. Continue to increase your revelation in them, God. And Father, we just pray, Lord, for safety for each and every person on this call, God. Father, we pray that you would form a hedge of protection in the spirit and in the natural, Lord, over every single person on this call, God, Father, we pray over their families, Lord, we pray a blessing over their families, over their lives, over their health, over their bodies, over their hearts, and over their minds. We pray to you, not because we are worthy, but in Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we will see you all on Sunday. Don't forget to give. Sorry, I forgot the announcement. Don't forget to give.